Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here. Welcome back to the How We Solve podcast. I have with me today Rachel Jacobs, founder of e-commerce partnerships and an e-commerce agency expert. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, GQ. Thanks for having me. All right. So just to sound a little less formal about this, I mean, we've met <laughs> sometime earlier this year. I think we caught up finally at the, uh, what was that? Uh, it was, I think, the last conference for me in Amsterdam, I believe. This was a Shopify event at that point. Yeah, Shopify Pursuits and me and a friend slash strategic partner, Shauna Morin. We put together a kind of a, a meetup for everybody at the end of Shopify Pursuit. Not through Shopify because we're renegades, so we just did it ourselves. <laughs> And you're one of our partners, uh, one of our sponsors, and we had well over 100 people were there. I know that we spent 2,500 euro on beers, so it's a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah, about 40 or 50 pitchers of beer were drunk amongst everything else, so pretty successful, but loads of e-commerce, Shopify partners talking all things. I remember when we were coming back in, I think everyone was just like huddled around Shauna. And I think one of the speakers at that point, I think it was uh, Norbert, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, it was so, I don't know how to put it. It was very, it was very nice and intimate. It was like such a different kind of setup because people, you know, when you have these kind of like events and stuff, everyone's just like chatting with everyone and you have like microphones and blah. But I think just the, the whole fact that it was a more intimate affair, I think everyone got to connect a lot better. So it, it was the first time for me and I loved it. Yeah, it was good fun. Really, really good fun. Made some good friends. And to be honest, I've put on a few events previously when I was running an agency and different businesses. And I always think keeping it sort of more casual is much better. I just, I just hate these meetups where it's like you're like a schoolboy with your pen and piece of paper taking down notes. I I hate that. It's just not my vibe. I have that here, but like that's more for the, (laughs) that's that's more for the show notes. But anyway, but that's an interesting point that you brought up. So I I think listeners would be really, really interested to find out the backstory behind e-commerce partnerships and Rachel Jacobs. I get asked a lot about the name and I get asked like, you know, do you not think you should change your business name? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> I can't be honest now. Um, so my background is over 10 years doing marketing and partnerships. So I've worked in lots of different industries, finance, construction. I was a nurse previously. So lots of different bits and pieces. So a bit of a mixed bag. About five years ago, I was in the startup world for a while, which was super fun. The whole Silicon Valley bullshit bubble. I did that for a little while. And it was really, really fun. But I'm the farm girl. So it's just... It was a complete juxtaposition for who I am as a person, but it was fun. I learned a lot. I was really pushed. It brought out that entrepreneurial side. And then I went into blockchain for a little while, which was fun, probably well above my mental capacity, but it was certainly very, very fun. I was on the marketing side of it, of course, doing a lot of partnerships. And then I fell into e-commerce. So I was on the SaaS side of e-commerce first, building partner programs, content partnerships, all that sort of stuff. And of course, then I went to the dark side and accidentally joined an agency. <laughs> um, so joined an agency, uh, one of the leading Shopify plus agencies in London and ran that for a couple of years. Typical agency that has all the problems that agency owners have, scope creep, profitability, not charging enough, no retention, too many hours, too much projects, not enough projects, having no insight into what other people are doing, spending all your time 
time working inside the business rather than working on the business. So it's all the basic stuff that happens to every single agency that's out there. And I came in previously, 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 three or four years in the military. So for me, I was just like, got to make this efficient, got to make it profitable. And came into the agency and put some, as we say in Ireland, put manners on it, just put structure and process in place. But the real game changer was retention. You know, you can fix your delivery process and you can fix your sales funnel and you can fix your positioning and your niche and your messaging. But putting a retainer model in place and having that reoccurring revenue is just a game changer. So as soon as I did that, I knew that I had something that was really exciting for me and I wanted to keep doing it. So I left and then I literally just had my one year anniversary last week. Congrats. Having e-commerce partnerships. So initially, you know, for me, business is all about partnerships. I love e-commerce. So whether it's a partnership with an agency and a brand, an agency and a tech partner, a brand and a tech partner, like essentially what e-commerce and business is, it, it is about partnerships, which is where the business name came from. But everybody, a lot of people contact me and say, oh, can you build me a partner program? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how so, it works. Yeah, maybe a bit confusing, but that's what I do now. I basically just work with e-commerce agency owners and help them initially build out retainer models, boost lifetime value, and then put structures in place that allow them or enable them to scale profitably. Bringing in revenue is one thing. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but bringing in revenue is not that difficult. But making that revenue profitable is where the challenge is. And a lot of agencies don't have structures in place that lend themselves very well to efficiency and profitability. So that's kind of money in and then let's make it profitable. And I think that the, it's very interesting that you brought this up because we now live in very interesting times. And so you work with a lot of different agency owners, you know, and I think this is probably even more uh, pretty much applicable to any business on the market right now. You know, what are what are some of the things that you're seeing, you know, with the pandemic that's kind of messing things up in the world. <laughs> just straight up panic. I think one of the biggest common things for me, and, and I just moved country, as you know, I literally just three days before Spain went into a national state of emergency, I moved country and then came to Gran Canary, which is a Spanish island. And then, oh shit, you're, you're in lockdown. I literally were walking along the beach and we had no idea what was going on. And uh, the police came rolling down the pier and started shouting and screaming at us and told us we have to go home. We were like, oh, wow, not what we thought moving to a new country would be like. <laughs> they could smell the foreigner office, but somebody had just died literally behind us. So, oh, gosh, OK. So we got locked down immediately. So weird, weird time to move to a new country, um, weird time to be in business and have your own business. Definitely a weird time for businesses that have overheads and have mice to feed. So I think all around, it's just a lot of panic. It's a lot of uncertainty. It's people not really knowing what to do right now. I think that's the common thing. Agencies that I've been chatting with for six months, all of a sudden I had, you know, I kind of thought to myself, oh, Corona's happened. I've moved country. I can't do my usual business process, which is doing workshops with people face to face. Um, so Q2 is a bit of a write-off. And then all of a sudden I had just an influx of agencies referred to me, sent my way that are just like, we have no idea what to do. We don't have cash flow. We don't have regular cash flow. And I'm like, I told you six months ago to build retainer models. You can't build a retainer model right now because people don't want to spend. But I think, I think it's the uncertainty right now. Everybody's just doesn't really know what the next steps look like. Yeah. And, and I think that's, in fact, we were just chatting about this before our call today when you brought this up. What are some ways that you see agencies being able, and not even just agencies, businesses being able to do so that they can, I guess, ride the wave and be able to 
tie themselves over this period, maybe even catch a good wave and be able to even grow their business at this time? Yeah, I think be strategic. I think that you need to be strategic. I think don't be afraid to pivot. Certain if you've got a type of client that is doing really well, double down on them. The clients that aren't doing very well and not spending or making money, ultimately you're not going to make money if they're not making money. So if you have clients that are in the, I don't know, let's just say for example the fashion everyday fashion or fast fashion industry, those guys are not making nearly as much money as they were, so they're not going to want to spend. Um, but then if you're in a if you have clients that are in the homeware or cleaning product industry or the ones that are doing really really well just double down on them and service them really well i think if you're an agency that's focused on projects like bigger projects people are not really wanting to commit to big projects right now figure out how you can turn that into bite-sized chunks and get people to commit to smaller you know bite-sized bits of work versus massive projects I do have five plans that I feel like all businesses should be focusing on right now, not just agencies, just businesses in general. Okay, okay. If you could share the secret sauce, I mean, that's not too... <laughs> that's secret, not, I don't know about secret sauce, maybe. Secret, I don't know. Okay, for me, five plans that I think every business really needs to make immediately. The first one is a finance plan. I mean, ultimately, your finance plan, it, it, it's like your immediate money that allows you to pay people. So I think just being aware, it's surprising the amount of agencies I speak to that have, that have little insight into what their profit margins and all that sort of stuff is, which is crazy to me. But anyway, I think people are just so busy doing the work. So I think being able to pinpoint what your minimum profit margins are and then work out your current book of works, if, if that's covered. For the work that you have in the pipeline, um, I think you need to put a plan in place to kind of make sure that's delivered on time and ideally under budget. So that, that, that's all to do with sort of cash flow and projections, but just looking at immediately what's right now. Once you've got your finance plan, you know that you can pay people, you know, your, your staff, your team, you can cover costs. The next step down, a lot of people would argue that the next step then is to look at your clients. I would disagree. I would actually say the next step then is your team. Happy team is a happy client. So if you don't have your team happy, then you don't have clients. So I would say look at, you know, all, all businesses are now working from, everybody's having to work from home. An agency that I work with in the Netherlands, actually, they, they've got 30 or 40 people and they're working from home. And some of the people on the team are struggling because it's just such a massive, they were so used to like being together and having that structure. Now you have to go home and there's kids there and the noise, or maybe it's a high share or whatever the situation is. So I think as a business owner, putting a plan in place to make sure your team are motivated and supported pinpointing any potential weak spots and putting a plan in place should they arise. You know, I think if you're a good business owner, if you've hired, if you've been involved in the hiring process, you should know people's personalities in the team where it's like, okay, well, this guy gets really distracted or he gets really bored when he's not engaged or working on a fun project. So I think being aware of what your strengths or limitations are in the team and putting a plan in place the next one then would obviously be your clients. I think over-communication is necessary right now. So having a, a communication schedule, being really transparent on who in your team is responsible for communicating with which clients. Um, even clients that have put things temporarily on pause, make sure that your team is communicating with them and letting them know that when they're ready to you know, get started again, then your team is ready. The fourth plan is your pipeline. I think a lot of businesses are so focused on their panic stations. So they're like, okay, let's just pause everything and let's do nothing. But what happens is if you stay stationary, as things move forward, you actually move backwards. 
So I think that, you know, future-proofing your business the next three to six months, I mean, what you're doing right now will feed you for the end of this quarter, but then what happens then in Q3 and Q4? So I think figuring out where the key growth opportunities, what can you learn from this client this quarter, like which clients are really growing right now, and how can you then use that information to target more of those clients and fill your pipeline for not right now, but for three, six months down the line. Something I've seen in a lot of businesses for agencies, SaaS companies, lots of different businesses, the marketing efforts. I think people are being a lot more deliberate with their marketing efforts, being more purposeful. So it's more quality over quantity. Before it was kind of, personally, I feel a bit of a spray and pray method. And I feel as a business, you should know who your customer is and communicate to them in a way that they want to be communicated to. So a lot of my agencies are doing very specific invite-only workshops to support particular industries. And the final one that is, is the boring one, but it's operations. When the shit hits the fan, you will see whether your business has the right processes and systems in place to weather the storm. I think it'll highlight the stuff that works really well and the stuff that is not working at all. So I think as a business owner, you need to, once you've worked on your list of plans, you need to then look at those processes and then put a structure in place and say, okay, well, my HR process isn't good or my delivery process, my sales process, there's no structure here. Or if somebody, God forbid, gets sick or whatever, and then things fall apart, then you didn't have a process in place. So I think it's just making sure that your entire business has a system in place that can weather the storm. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Me personally, I love a good conspiracy theory. I feel pretty strongly there will definitely be a global recession after this. So I feel like right now is the calm before the storm. If we can put the systems in place to weather it right now, then that should stand businesses in good stead for what the next six to 12 months look like. But but there was something that was really interesting that you brought up. And I think with some of the other guests that we've spoken with recently, remote work is a huge I mean, it's obviously huge right now because no one can go to the office and so on and so forth. And I think like for those who have already been remote, it's it's fairly easy for them to obviously adapt to the current situation. But do you see a lot of friction, I guess, for e-commerce agencies to have to switch from working from an office to working remotely? Definitely is. I think there's a combination of things from uh, from a team. If we look at it from a team point of view and then a client point of view, from a team point of view, there absolutely is friction because they're so used to having those day-to-day meetings together having those team scrums or sprints or, or whatever you call them, having those meetings together, and then suddenly you miss that, and then people are working from home and you can't see people. To me, that highlights a lack of structure in an organization that you're dependent on being in an office. Then there are some people that are more, they, they need that physical interaction. You know, if you're in a situation like, you know, I live with my husband, you live with your wife, so at least you have somebody else around you, but you, you can't forget that there's some people that are living on their own or in I share with people that they don't really know or have any relationship with. And maybe their main interaction is the people that they have in the office. Maybe there's people that are slightly more introverted, so they're probably going to feel it more. So from a team point of view, of course, it's going to be difficult. But I think as an as a agency owner or leader, it's up to you to make sure that you're prioritizing times when you have to. It's all about transparency. It's ultimately, it's all about transparency. And then a client point of view, a lot of businesses or agencies that I know are so used to having face-to-face client meetings. If they're going to close business, it's they're so reliant on face-to-face. And the struggle is being able to 
translate. It's like for me and my business, my business model is I, if I'm going to start working with an agency, we do a face-to-face workshop. So we sit down face-to-face. I come to you, you come to me. And we do basically a 360 audit of your entire agency. I'm now in a, you know, in a different country, <laughs> don't speak the language, and I can't have agencies come to me and I can't go to them. So how do I then take that part of my business model and then translate it into online or make it virtual? Traditionally, it would have been a one and a half, two day workshop face to face, which is palatable. Trying to do two days on a video call, no, nobody wants to do that. That was actually my my follow up question to that because you, you know you've been coaching people pretty much like you said face to face and so and I'm sure like maybe this would apply to other businesses like even agencies as well that you say thrive on you know face to face relationships. What are some ways or even tools that you, that you think that you know business owners or maybe even just coaches like what kind of tools or, or ways could they use to overcome this uh, lack of face to face interaction? I like to keep things on a budget, so <laughs> I don't know that I've implemented any tools specifically. I mean, I think upgrading to a paid Zoom account definitely makes sense if you're having bigger group calls, for sure. Um, I've recently, through default, launched a sort of an agency owner roundtable every every two weeks. And, you know, very quickly, within about four days of me deciding this idea, very quickly, we had outgrown the amount of people you're allowed on Zoom. So. Um, So, yeah, maybe tools like that. But I think ultimately it comes down to communication, managing expectations. So if you are, you know, don't be afraid to pivot. I think don't be so married to a system like if it doesn't work this way. You know, for me, I had through trial and error and bad experiences, I realized that face-to-face workshops were the way to kick off a new project with an agency I was working with. But I couldn't be so married to that. Initially, I was just like, well, that's the only way it's going to work. So I'm just going to have to, until the travel ban is lifted, I cannot work with any new clients. I had so many agencies coming to me and saying, we need your help. So how do we make it work? So I was forced to pivot and adapt and make it work for them. And we find a way, I mean, it's four and a half days virtually, but it works. It totally works. So I think don't be so married to your processes that you can't transition or, or make it work for the current climate. You never know, you might come out with something better. You might come out with a solution. I mean, now that I have had to pivot, now I realize that I can, I don't have to travel to America every single time that I work with an American agency. I can just do it. I think there there's so many things that we can learn from this entire time, but I think it really does change the way, at least like the, the concept of how people would usually do things. Now, just to add on to your five plans that they were talking about. So <laughs> I think there's one other interesting thing as well that Rachel has is the four-step agency growth system. But I guess we'll talk about that separately later on outside of this. But what are some tools or frameworks or books, for example, that you would recommend people to check out to better, I guess, apply the five plans that you suggested just now? Oh, well, I mean, like I said to you before, I'm not really, it's a real crime because I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not really a big book reader. I have three or four really good books in my desk that I got given to me by a friend. They, this is, that's where I put my pencil case. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so they're there, but I'm an entrepreneur through default. Everybody I've worked for has just been a nightmare to work with or a pain in the ass. So I have to work for myself. To be honest, for me, I would say books are great. I'm still learning to read, so maybe that's not good for me. But talk to people. I'm all about relationships and communicating. And I think that ties in with the point you made earlier. This crisis, I've been working from home for five years, four years, something like that. It was a really conscious choice that me and my husband made because we knew we wanted to move abroad. 
So I've been working from home for years, so I kind of take it for granted that this is my reality and I've got my setup and my webcam and my screen and all this sort of stuff, you know, this is my normal. But this crisis has made me inherently aware of how, what other people are going through and how other people are feeling. So it's brought me much closer to my network of entrepreneurs that I'm really good friends with, because even if you are used to working from home, it's still not normal to be cooped up indoors all the time, even as much as you might love your significant other. It can be a pain in the ass. You know, sometimes you just need that headspace. And if you're an entrepreneur and they're potentially they're not an entrepreneur, they're, they're an employee, it's a completely different mindset. They're being motivated possibly by an employer and you have to be self-motivated. So it's made me really aware of the people that I have in my circle and making sure that I'm going out of my way to support them. I'm talking to people. If I have problems or obstacles or stuff that I'm facing or you know challenges that I can't get my head around, just communicating with other business owners, other entrepreneurs, and and nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, you'll you'll get some sort of useful insight. That's my book. My, my books are speaking to people. Nothing's better than practical experience, right? Exchanging ideas. I love that. I love that. And and on that note, is there a? And I think this is more relevant now considering the times we're in. But is there a personal mission statement that you live by? Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I like that. This is straightforward enough. <laughs> um, no, actually, there is there is a couple that I really, really like. If you want to go fast, go alone, which is why I became an entrepreneur. But if you want to go far, go together. This is an, an African proverb. So I wanted to move very quickly, and I felt that working for other people really slowed me down. But now, as I've built my business and spent the last year building a reputation and getting some really, really great clients and building out what my business model looks like, I'm now in a situation where it's working and collaborating with other people to bring more value. And then the other one, which is by one of our mutual favorites, Bruce Lee, you know, he's just like next to Jesus. He's, you know, the second in command, of course. And simplicity is the key to brilliance. I feel really, really strongly. It makes me sound like a bit of a scholar, but I'm really not. But I really believe that simplicity, like this environment, I think it's a perfect mindset for this current climate that we're living in, simplifying things as much as possible. I really think that the more you can strip stuff, stuff back, and right now we're being forced to, we're, be, we're forced to be stripping back our businesses and stripping back our offerings and stripping back our costs. And I think that you realize that that's where the magic really happens. That's where the most brilliant stuff happens, just keeping it simple. The best food that I've ever eaten or made is is the simplest ingredients you don't need to be all fancy schmancy so yeah i would say those two that's very very cool and, and there, there was one thing before we round up the show uh, i think you mentioned here that if ever e-commerce agencies needed any help during this pandemic i think uh, you mentioned that you'd be able to help them yeah absolutely to be honest i mean i took a 10 days off to move country and uh, as soon as i got back i just feel like i i, I worked harder <laughs> My first two weeks back than I did when I first started my business, I was doing like 12, 13 hour days just to speak to as many agency owners as possible. But yeah, I mean, right now, I'd say over Q2, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm just going to speak to and help as many agency owners as I can, have conversations, help them figure out what they really, where their priorities really are. And then they can just contact me either on LinkedIn or my, my website, which I'm sure will be on the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out to Rachel, as she's mentioned, reach out to her on LinkedIn, uh, reach out to her on ecommercepartnerships.com, and she'd be very, very happy to help out. So thanks a lot for your time, Rachel. It's been super awesome having you on the show, and I look forward to inviting you back as a guest in the future. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the How We Solve podcast. 
Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.